Welcome to the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. We are excited to have Dr. Frank Shushok, President of Roanoke College, as our guest. Let me ask you, so when you're filling out your March Madness pool, is, I mean, you, you know, Virginia Tech, Ohio State, Baylor, I mean, do you have a hard time, Maryland? Yes. Do you have a hard I, time choosing? Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, what, what I tried to do when thinking about schools is maximize my potential of having someone to cheer for. <laughs> <laughs> so it's working out pretty well. Those are some good teams. Oh, without a doubt. And how about, I mean, Baylor, what, two, two three years ago? Oh, yeah. We won the national championship in men's for the first time. Of course, we won women's basketball uh, national championship three times under Kim Mulkey. And then we we let her slide away. And two years later, she's winning a national championship for LSU. Yeah, she doesn't hide, does she? No. (laughs) (laughs) She definitely does not hide. (laughs) They showed a picture of her, and then they showed a picture of either her her, her granddaughter or her daughter. I'm not quite sure, but her she was in the same outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's her granddaughter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, quite quite. A, I mean, it, impressive though what she's done. You know. Yeah. You, you, whatever you say about her, she sure sure knows how to coach and win. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think she's tough as nails. Yeah. Real yeah, competitor. Absolutely. Well, that's great. Well, hey, again, thanks for thanks for carving out time. I mean, this is oh, I'm this actually is I'm thrilled to do it. I'm glad to do it. And and your questions made me think a little bit. So that's always good. Well, excellent. Well, excellent. Well, hey, let's let's start with the first one. Um, so who who are the mentors that really helped shape uh, help shape your journey to the presidency at Roanoke? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question, Brett. And I I really appreciate thinking about this because, um, you know, I just don't think any of us get to where we land by ourselves. We're, we're the product of people who have invested in seen ahead for us. And that is certainly the case for me. I mean, everything that I have uh, accomplished that looks like success is directly attributable to people who uh, have coached me and mentored me and supported me. I have been uh, pretty uh, open and out front about the fact that I almost didn't graduate from high school. I had a serious um, learning disability. I'm dyslexic and I had an auditory processing disorder and began really my formal education in elementary school uh, as a special education student. And, uh, you know, essentially over time, I accepted an identity for myself that I wasn't smart. And and really, by the time that I got to high school, I had quit trying. And um, my sophomore year in high school in Texas, I was uh, repeating two courses in the summer just so I could stay on track to perhaps graduate. And I say all that because this question is directly related to two people, two teachers, Gail Pack and Keith Christian, who um, were teachers who essentially saw in me what I could not see in myself, that they saw my capacity and my um, abilities in ways that I had lost in the school system growing up. And and they helped me you know, rediscover myself. They kicked me in the rear end 
they uh, pushed me, they challenged me, they uh, spoke honest feedback into my life. And, and that was the beginning of kind of a turnaround story for me, beginning my junior year in high school and uh, finally graduating um, and um, making it to college. I actually talked my way into Baylor University. I, I got rejected, of course, because I was barely making it for first and second. And really um, not until my third year in high school was I making any kinds of grades that looked like someone capable of going to college. And then um, uh, it just wasn't enough. But I uh, talked my way in. I, I met with some board of trustee members who, you know, made a case to the president and they they gave me an opportunity to take two summer school classes. And if I could make two C's, they would let me come to Baylor. And so that's what I did. But I hit my stride at Baylor. And uh, again, a handful of teachers and people who do what I do now um, were mentors and coaches and uh, helped me see ahead of my potential. But my whole trajectory from those stories that I just told you through my uh, academic and administrative career is loaded with people who saw ahead of me that saw my capacity and my talent before I could see it myself. And that was always the case. And uh, even in route to the presidency, I mean, I just had great mentors and Tim Sands, who's the president of Virginia Tech, or Nathan Hatch, who is still uh, a mentor to me, who's the president emeritus at Wake Forest uh, University, where I did an American Council on Education Fellowship uh, under his direction. I am just the recipient, literally, of dozens of people who have helped me land where I've landed. And, you know, gosh, what do those people do? Well, they told me the truth. They saw my gifts and talents. They saw areas where I needed to invest to get a little bit better. Um, they created opportunities for me. Um, and uh, I, that's what I wish for every single college student. And I think that's what I love about a small college is, uh, you know, that's what we do is we are talent scouts. And we see ahead of students who don't know yet how miraculous and incredible they are and uh, help them discover that, give them opportunities, um, help them uh, find their way. And, uh, and, and that's how we become our best selves. You know, we just, um, I just don't believe we become that on our own. It takes a village to get to the places that we get. And, and of course, people look at someone like me, who's in a role of college president, and they don't realize all the trips and fumbles and falls and a journey that it takes to land in these places, but it's filled with mentors and coaches and people who have loved me and supported me along the way. Well, I can imagine too, what a story that is to be able to tell prospective parents, uh, prospective students and their parents, and then students that are on campus today. I mean, what a, what a great story to be able to say, Hey, look, you know, look, look how, you know, I, I am moving day to day and, 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 you know, you can do it too. Absolutely. I love to talk to prospective students. And when I talk to them, I, I say what I truly believe is that every single one of them that gets in our midst is absolutely remarkable. They just may not know it yet. And I see so much of our job is to help uh, these young people understand how incredible 
and phenomenal they really are. They often do not know their talents yet, um, particularly at 18, 17, 18, 19. People just don't know their talent yet. And we assume everyone is on the same developmental timeline. They're just not. Some people are making discoveries and hitting their developmental stride when they're 18, but lots of other people that's 22 or 24, but our school system is developed on kind of a very linear assumption that everyone is learning at exactly the same pace. And that's just not the case for human beings. And uh, unfortunately, um, the way human beings develop is not how our school system or educational system is uh, designed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, 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 you know, how do you impress upon students that are on campus? Because I always look back at, at, you know, at, at my educational path, and I always think about, goodness, you know, it's so, take advantage of the opportunities, right? So when you're in high school, take advantage of the opportunities that are there. When you're in, when you're at a post-secondary institution, take advantage of the opportunities so that you can get to know people, so that you can you you have resources that might be difficult, more difficult to get when you when you graduate. But how do you make sure that students take full advantage, right? Because it's not, especially as a freshman, it's that's not easy to just get yourself out there and say, "Hey, I don't know what I want to do," but there's so much to explore that ignorance is bliss. You know, at that stage, you don't know what you don't know. So how do you make sure that students can really grab that and say, "You know what? I'm I'm going for it." Well, I love your question, and, and maybe I'm going to go a little more in depth than you, you might anticipate here. You know, I come from a big school background. I mean, I right. the smallest school that I've been at is Baylor, and it's 20,000 students. And, of course, Ohio State, University of Maryland, uh, most recently 13 years at Virginia Tech. Um, the reason I say that is those places have extraordinary resources, but developmentally, there's a finite number of students who are ready to take advantage of those, those resources. So one of the things that I love about a small school is that it's designed to link arms with those who perhaps aren't developmentally ready to take advantage of all those opportunities that are around them in a, in a big place. I'm a big fan of, um, um, of the, the psychological construct of hope. And one of my kind of mentors out there is the late Shane Lopez, who wrote the book Making Hope Happen. But he talks about a model, and this is, I mean, it's empirical. We know we know this, that hope really consists of three things. It's uh, goals, pathways, and agency. So, you know, that to, ha- to, to grow in hope, you got to have goals, and you got to have pathways towards those goals. And then this third part is agency. And this is the developmental part that I want to talk about here is some students at 18 or 19 don't have agency. The uh, the belief that they can make progress towards those things day by day by by feeling empowered to take advantage of those resources that you talk about. Well, so what is an educator's role in that? Our edu- when people are low agency, our students are still in a low agency place, we're actually teaching them agency, that third part of hope, and how do we do that? Well, we link arms with them and uh, we help them make progress towards those goals day by day until they themselves believe they can do that and have the habits for doing that. And that's what I love about small schools is uh, 
it's hard to hide at a small school. Um, when you're in a class of 18 or 20 people, or you're on a campus that has 2,000 students, um, it is not easy to hide. And uh, um, there are plenty of opportunities for those who already are high agency, but for those that are still developing their sense of agency, um, we're designed to to link arms with them and bring them along to the finish line as they discover um, all the things that can happen on a college campus that help them discover their best selves. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, and and um, you know, one thing that I that I'm hearing more and more, and and I'm sure you know better than me is you know that the value of education and degree is really being challenged. It's just being challenged, maybe more so today than ever, and. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, maybe you could attribute part of that to, um, you know, media, potentially, you know, articles that talk about student debt exceeding a trillion dollars and really a, 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 maybe a true story, but a broad brush story, right? That doesn't speak specifically to a Roanoke College, for example. But, you know, what do you, what do you tell, you know, students and, and parents and, and maybe even your own children as far as, hey, Here's the value of education. Here's the value of a degree that will serve you well throughout your life. Yeah, I want to tackle that from two different perspectives. Is uh, um, first, what I think is really important to this generation of students and their families, and that is a job and skills. They want a job, and they 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 want skills that will allow them to. Uh, make the value proposition work, the investment in college uh, being worth it. And there's really clear empirical evidence, particularly for most schools, Roanoke College included. We know if you just look at Georgetown University's ROI study, we know that a degree from Roanoke College means on average, you're going to make a million dollars more over a lifetime of, from work. So that's on that's on average, and a lot of people do more. So just from a, a value equation, um, uh, it, it's a it has a good return on an investment, and it, we see it all the time. People whose life has been transformed, and their families' lives have been transformed. Their social mobility has been transformed because they went and graduated from college, and that happens for a variety of reasons: the networking, the the kinds of um, opportunities that that you have the the um, opportunity to explore and run into careers and people who do things that you never thought that were for you but that's not an excuse for us to ignore the fact that we need to continue to make sure that the return on investment is a good investment and that we're helping students develop 21st century skills that lead to meaningful jobs the other part of this that i i think has been lost in all this is um, how important that college, how how important um, a college education is to building better human beings and to building a society that cares about the the greater good, um, that cares about things like democracy and thinking about values and learning to work with and live with um, people who come from all sorts of different backgrounds um, that give people opportunities to think about things that they've never thought about before or encounter questions and conversations and perspectives that they've never considered 
before. I mean, one huge goal of a college education is that we launch out into the world people who care about not only making the world better for themselves and their family, but for those in their community. And gosh, it doesn't take very long to look at our world right now and say, we need a lot more of that. And we haven't designed these experiences perfectly, but I don't know of another place uh, other than colleges and universities where more people from different backgrounds come together and build friendships and build relationships across all sorts of of uh, demographic variables, and I think this is really important for the future world that we want to want to see. And and I, I I don't want us to miss how important that is. And I, I I would make an argument that it's been never more important than it is right now. And gosh, uh, we also know that the job that our students take right out of college is not going to be their first. It's going to be their second, third, fourth, fifth. It's going to lead to many, many jobs. And the jobs that they're going to be in are not the ones um, that they start out in because the 21st century economy is one that is shifting and moving all the time. We need to create um, learners that are adaptable and agile, who are critical thinkers, who can work in teams, can work with diverse groups. I mean, these are really important things that are facilitated by a college education when designed really well. So um, I, I like for us to think about all the ways that um, a college contributes to life. And I'll add one more. And that is, um, I, I say Roanoke College is a friendship factory. I mean, one of the things that blows me away is I get out there and I talk to alumni who graduated 30, 40, 50 years ago. They all have a cadre of friends that have been with them all through life that were facilitated by a college education. And we know from a fact, the Harvard studies, that nothing contributes greater to life satisfaction and well-being more than meaningful friendships, particularly those that transcend time. And that is something that colleges and universities are particularly good at helping people achieve meaningful relationships that last a lifetime. Well, and so you know, when you look at uh, engaging the local community, you know, typically with institutions in the local community, you know, they feed off each other. They really rely on each other. So how is Roanoke College, uh, you know, engaging and building relationships in the local community and, and businesses in general? I, I I really appreciate the question. Just today, I spent three hours with the CEO of um, our local hospital here, our hospital system here, and our conversation was about what are the needs of the community and what are their goals and how can Roanoke College be a part of um, helping them accomplish. Uh, their goals, because when uh, we're all looking out for serving our community and making our community better, we're in much better shape. Now, I, I think there's some learning for higher education here. We're learning how important it is that we close the the uh, the length of the feedback loop from the people that are hiring our graduates and the time it takes for us to retool our curriculum to meet those needs. So the closer we are working with, for example, our local hospital system on understanding what they need out of our graduates. If that feedback loop is tight, then we're constantly redeveloping our curriculum and working with them and designing a curriculum that is meeting the needs of the, um, the people that they're hiring from Roanoke College. 
And we're also thinking about how we can be in partnership with them so that uh, they have serious workforce needs. And we want to be thinking about how immediately upon entry, our students are having the opportunity to meet those workforce needs by working at that hospital while they're a student, contributing to their workforce needs, but also getting applied skills while they're learning all sorts of theoretical things in the classroom. And so when they graduate, they are ready to hit the ground running working for that local uh, entity. We're having the same conversation with the local engineering firm here, um, all the same components. How do we design a curriculum and respond to your workforce needs quickly? How do we give them employees that have the technical skills they need, but also the leadership acumen, communication skills, ability to work with diverse people? These are all really important. I, I like this time that we're in in higher education because I think we know more than ever that we're in it together, that we've got to be linking arms, that partnership is the name of the game, that um, that the handoff has to be seamless and integrated, and that um, as uh, uh, colleges or universities succeed, communities succeed, as, uh, succeed, as communities succeed, so do colleges and universities. So I really like this um, acknowledgement of um, the symbiotic relationship that we that we have. Well, and and you know, I'll, I'll tell you with um, with the with the enrollment cliff, I guess here. And it will continue for the coming years. Um, I'd love to touch on that for just a minute. I mean, I think from my from my perspective, hey, the enrollment cliff is real. I, I I do believe the enrollment cliff is impacting the Northeast more than the rest of the country right now. Um, but what I would also say about Roanoke College is that you're resilient. I mean, I, I look at your history and how long you've been around and how you continue to evolve and shift and pivot and, and basically show agility. And, and to me, yes, the enrollment, and, and you can speak to this better than I can about Roanoke, definitely. Um, the enrollment cliff is real, but I also know you've been through other enrollment cliffs. You've been through wars. You've been through <laughs> many other things. Yeah. So can you talk about how? How do you how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the enrollment cliff and the competition? Well, I I think that an important part of uh, leadership is to remind us in times like these. There's always been times like these, um, and the reason that we are here today is because people adapted to the needs of the current time, and uh, where that falters is if at any handoff the new generation of leaders are those who are uh, responsible for the well-being of the institution, that they don't reinvent themselves. They don't respond to the needs that are required of the day. Then the entity will cease to exist. And so uh, it's a huge legacy to take uh, the handoff um, from generation to generation for 180 years and realize this is our time. This is our time to understand what it's going to require to meet the needs of students in the 21st century and to make sure that we are responding, that we have the courage to understand that as times change, the institutions have to change to meet the needs. And in the 21st century, it's more important than ever that we do this at a pace that um that is aligned with the pace of how things are moving in the external environment. And that's never um, 
never been faster than it is right now. And I don't think it's ever going to slow down again. So learning to be more uh, expeditious in our transformation, but transforming ourselves is, is nothing new. I mean, we, we've, we've had to, and I mean, if you just think about um, so many institutions that started who they served and who they serve now. And I think that's our biggest question. When we talk about the enrollment cliff, I heard one of my colleagues call it um, a middle-class white cliff. Uh, um, and so I think the question is, who haven't we be, been serving that we need to serve uh, um, that hasn't been served by in previous generations? And and so I, you probably um, may have noticed last week we joined the Hispanic Association of Colleges and Universities, and we've said we're going to be an institution that is uh, that seeks to be a destination of choice for Latino and Latina students, um, and uh, and because we know that's a population that hasn't been served adequately, and we want to be a part of serving uh, that population, um, and that is not a population that is a part of the. And roll, you know, the democratic, the demographic cliff that we're talking about. So, um, right. you know, all that to say, um, it is real that there are real challenges, um, but the winners are going to be those that are courageous enough to reinvent themselves and find their next best iteration, just like at Roanoke College that's been happening for 180 years. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I do love the fact that you're, uh, you know, you're also partnering with other institutions, you know, because I know oftentimes, you, you, you know, and, and you probably hear this too. I know I hear, well, the competition, how do you compete with ABC University down the street? Well, I know that Roanoke College is partnering in certain respects, for example, with West Virginia, you know, on your MBA program where students can be guaranteed a spot. Uh, within an MBA program if they, you know, achieve certain metrics like a GPA, et cetera. But again, I, I love the, I, I love the fact that you're, it's not, it's not strictly competition, which clearly you have competitors and you want to bring in students, have them choose you over someone else. But can you talk a little bit about the collaboration with other schools and how important that is? Yeah, we're, we're really excited about a partnership we, we just announced two weeks ago with Virginia Tech. Uh, and it's a, it's called direct to tech. Students uh, at Roanoke College can uh, go directly to Virginia Tech from here to get a master's degree in computer science or computer engineering. And um, uh, and in one part of the agreement, um, their senior year here can count as their first year of their mm -hmm. master's program. So it's a four plus one. They don't have to reapply. So students at Roanoke College can um, matriculate directly to Virginia Tech and into a master's program. And the other um, program that is part of that agreement is for any student. So Virginia needs more students graduating with degrees in computer science and engineering. And mm -hmm. so the Commonwealth has made that a big uh, initiative. So any student at Roanoke College, no matter what their major as long as they have a 3.0 GPA and take a couple prerequisites, can matriculate directly to Virginia Tech into one of these master's programs. So this is a win for Roanoke College students. We're never going to be uh, the research institution that uh, Virginia Tech is, 
but uh, our students are really well prepared to enter a master's degree program in computer science or computer engineering. So it's a win for Virginia Tech, who are trying to grow the number of students that are uh, graduating with these degrees. And it's a win for the Commonwealth of Virginia and the economy here as we're trying to increase the number of students that um, the number of people who are graduating with high tech degrees. And I'll just add another component. We're working right now with a dual enrollment with Virginia Western University, where a student could start their first two years at at um, at Virginia Western, but they could also live in our residence halls or eat in our dining center, uh, work out in our facility. They would be duly enrolled as a Roanoke College student mm-hmm. and a Virginia Western student. They don't have to reapply. So think about this. You have three very different kinds of institutions, the local community college, the large research one, and um, the small private college that is really good at mentoring and coaching young people. It is possible that you could never have to apply again and graduate with your master's degree from Virginia Tech. Start at Virginia Western automatically matriculate, not have to reapply to Roanoke College, matriculate to Roanoke College, then go on to Virginia Tech, not have to apply to Virginia Tech. You just applied once when you started at Virginia Western. This is the kind of thing every time a student has to hit one of those decision points of, well, how do I navigate? How to apply? Who do I talk to? How does financial aid work? All of that. Yeah. That that is a time when often students stop out. They say, "Oh, I don't." Yeah, it just it becomes a barrier to them. We make this where it's just a a smooth path from the time you enter Virginia Western to the time you finish a, a master's degree in computer science or computer engineering from Virginia Tech. Um, and uh, you've got three great schools working together who have very different missions, who have different strengths that are helping um, create the kind of um, uh, uh, jobs and opportunities for people that uh, lift up the entire community. Well, and I love that idea too because it's all it's all focused on the student. You know, it is centric. Yeah, it and really the is. needs of the community. And I think that's the yeah, thing yeah. is, right. you know, how do we meet the needs of what our community uh, um, that are challenges for our community? And when we do that, we also then we're ensuring people have good jobs. Along the way, they're developing meaningful friendships, good thinking skills. They're learning um, what it means to live in a democracy. I mean, these are all really important things that we can do when we keep in mind um, the well-being of everybody in our communities, and especially our students. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I have to ask, what what is a, a bootmobile? I know L.L. Bean is on campus on occasion with their bootmobile and I, I I saw that, but is that is that just a mobile? Uh, it's a um, big it's a big boot with four wheels, and uh, <laughs> you know one of the things that's uh, uh, that I think is interesting about Roanoke College is we have twenty six students this year from Maine, which I just love, um, and so it's fitting that the LLB bootmobile pulls up here um, from time to time. That's great. Well, I love you know I love the idea too that you have you know you have movie nights, you have a lot of things that really allow you to embrace that that smaller private institution you have movie night before finals you know where everyone can congregate and and watch a movie which i i think is great um so so how do you define student success you know success is in the eye of the student so i think we have you know that's the personal 
customized nature of student success seems critical to me. We have to know what the student's goals are and, and what does success look to them, look like to them. And sometimes they don't know. And so our job is to help them discern that. And that's an important thing that can happen um, in an environment that is high touch and customized and uh, full of potential mentors and coaches and people who help them think about their future. But as they become, begin to uh, obtain clarity about their goals, our job is to design an education that helps them make progress towards those goals day by day and to be on the track of uh, reaching their aspirations and their goals. That's success. Our success is when they're successful and their success is determined based on their hopes and dreams and aspirations for their life. And uh, so again, very student centric. And uh, some students know exactly what their goals are and those are gonna change as they get more information. So we walk with them as they redefine success to make movement and progress towards that new understanding of what success is. For other students, they don't know yet. So our job is to help them think about what success looks like to them and to establish some goals and then develop pathways towards those goals. Um, so very focused on uh, the students. Their success is our success. So where do you see Roanoke College in five years? Well, I believe Roanoke College, um, you know, our goals have been, our goals for, for producing thoughtful, educated, impactful human beings. That's been pretty consistent throughout history. But the means by which we do it is constantly changing. So I hope that in five years that we're going to be very different than we are right now. And that five years beyond that, we're going to be very different than we were then. If we're not, you know, it goes back to this conversation that you, you know, one of the things you hear out in the marketplace is innovate or die. And I think that's the same for colleges. We've got to be responding to the needs and um, we need to design our environment for current students and those that are coming. And we have to recognize that often in any given moment, we're designed for those who have already been here. So if we're not really focused on constantly innovating and iterating so that we are prepared for who's coming next and who's with us right now, then we're going to be in trouble. And so that means we have to be very different in five years, different programs, um, different uh, technology, different pedagogy, because the world is always changing and transforming. And we've got to be um, a part of that. And that's not new. I mean, this is this is why uh, organizations, companies, colleges, close and they closed because they didn't innovate they didn't respond and the value proposition wasn't there and you'll know when you're not meeting the needs because people will stop coming uh um you know the the, the entertainment industry is such a great example for me i just you know it wasn't that long ago it feels like that i was going in a blockbuster to rent a movie and staring at the wall and all the boxes and picking a movie. And, and then I was blown away that Redbox came around and, and then, and then, uh, you know, it's Netflix and now look what's happening with Netflix, you know? So could all those companies have uh, innovated and uh, responded to their needs differently? A absolutely. But they have to understand 
the wave of the future, how customers are changing, how people are changing and to adapt. And, and those who adapt, they, they continue to, to offer their services for many, many years to come. And so um, my, my uh, full expectation for Roanoke College is it's going to continue to adapt and it's going to look very different in five years. Well, Frank Shushak, hey, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I really enjoyed the conversation and the thought leadership. Well, I hope I said something that is uh, worth someone thinking about, but I always enjoy talking about um, colleges and universities because I just believe if we want a better future, our best bet is investing in young people and the kind of education that we offer them. So uh, it's, it's a it's a it's not easy on young people these days, and and, and we've got to deliver on offering them the best. Um, for what they're going to be needing to tackle in the years ahead. So, Brad, I really enjoyed being with you, and thanks for your good work in higher education and everyone who cares about young people in the future. Absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you for joining the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. For more information on the series, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.